Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Steak. Steak. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Big Miss Steak. I'm Melissa. Hi, everybody. I'm Aditi. And today... We are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 7 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lie to me. Yes, yes. Aditi just said her friends have told her that now we're getting into the meat of the season. Well, now we're cooking with gas, which, you know, as the internet would say, is very political between cooking with gas and induction. As a Texan, my loyalty is to propane, as preached to me by (laughs) Hank Hill. Obviously. That's because... He is our most beloved uh, national icon. He is Texas's dad, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the joke where he needs to get the mini WD-40 to open up the regular size <laughs> WD-40 every time gets me. <laughs> I love how, how uncomfortable he is with showing skin, showing affection. <laughs> it's so funny. He's such a dad. I love how prominent they make uh, his narrow urethra. It just brings me joy. <laughs> yeah. There should be more urethra talk. That's my yeah. one complaint about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know the size or width of anyone's urethra. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> And with that, let's go to our episode summary. (laughs) Love or Lies. Buffy's fifth grade flame, Billy Ford Fordham, unexpectedly arrives in Sunnydale with one motive, to deliver Buffy to Spike in exchange for the immortal life of a vampire. Meanwhile, Buffy and Angel confront their feelings for each other, and Angel owns up to his past relationship with Drusilla. Ooh. Yes, 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 yes. I'm very glad I did not read the summary because I did not realize that Ford was a baddie. I just went in with no info. Mm -hmm. No info about his personality or nether regions. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Mm -hmm. I I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. We'll talk about it, obviously, but I just want to say I also thought it was really funny. There are a lot of moments where I laughed out loud. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the first episode where they start to treat Angel as sort of like a trope of himself. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because they sort of goof on all of the things that were taken so seriously before that aggravated me about him. That was delightful. I felt very vindicated. He's sharp. I mean, everybody gets some zingers in. Like, he's sharp. Obviously, Xander gets some zingers in. Willow is she's like leaning into this like comedic like observational role which I think is so good Jenny Callender and Giles have like their repartee Jenny Callender is back baby she's back she's back she just got kicked out of the convent she put her leather jacket on she has a bob which I think looks phenomenal on her Mm -hmm. yeah she she's back and I think that she's healed Mm -hmm. taking our sweet Rupert to a monster truck rally (laughs) What a what a troll. I love her. 
yeah, how do you feel about the progression of Buffy and Angel's relationship? I know you were kind of hoping for it to, you know, to move a little faster. Um, I think I think saying I love you is pretty fast. So here we are. Especially considering they don't even know if they're officially dating. Yeah, when she's like, he's my my boyfriend, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's it is moving fast. I I think that like like there's so many like fits and starts with them and that also is compounded by us talking about it over a couple years. Mm-hmm. But finally I think yeah, like we're moving, we're moving forward. I mean, this episode until we find out the twist of Ford, I just was like, my goodness, Buffy, look at all of your suitors. Yeah. At at least 3. That's enough to juggle. It is. Should we slay or nay? Let's do it. Slay or nay. All right. What do you think of Buffy's outfits this episode? I will say that for the most part, they were mid. Her outfit at the bronze and then her outfit with like the pinnacle of the drama where she goes to the you know underground and like finds all the sycophants there with her white boots, particularly mm-hmm. in creds. Mm-hmm. Those two outfits were in creds. The outfit that she wore at the bronze with the oversized blazer and the riding boots that were like right below her knee. She looked amazing. The outfit she wore at the end of the episode when she's kicking ass with the like kind of fuzzy black sweater, then the pattern black pants and the white boots. Oh, she looks so good. Yeah, I have in my notes plaid is hitting again. Plaid is hitting. I finally feel good about the use of plaid pants in this show again. Finally. They lost their way, but they're back. Our long national nightmare has ended. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did not love her, like, her weird floral skirt in the first episode, first scene, I think. I thought her other fashion choices were fine. I also want to talk about Willow's outfits. Before we move on from Buffy, I agree with you that a lot of her outfits were mid, but the one with the flowered skirt, she had her hair with a zigzag part, which I completely forgot existed until I saw it. And, like, her hair... With the zigzag part and Chanterelle, the vampire mistress. Chanterelle. Her hair that's like extremely straightened, but with one or two very pronounced spiral curls in it. I know that both of these things are objectively ugly and bad, but the nostalgia and the vibes are just so good. I'm waiting for the kids to discover it because I feel like the kids have discovered butterfly clips, but the zigzag, the casual crimping without any sort of like, you know, premeditation. Yeah. The like really, really like starched, straightened hair with just some curls for flair. For flair. Like people really did a lot with their hair in the 90s. You're right. Yeah. There were no rules. Freedom. (laughs) We used to be a proper country. (laughs) I forgot about the zigzag parting, but what did you also like the outfits I liked? Oh, Yeah. I thought that the outfit she wears in the beginning of the episode, she has like leopard pants with a blue tank top that has bra straps showing, which was such a vibe. I always wish that I could do it, but I was too young to A, be allowed to do that if I (laughs) did wear bras and B, to wear bras at the time. (laughs) But I was like, one day I'll be able to do that and it will be cool. And then it was never cool again, except for that one era. Yeah. But I thought that was very neat. I liked the the pattern on the pants. And I thought it went so well with her red peacoat. 
Very nice. But let's move on to Willow since you seem to have a lot of feelings. Willow, Willow was giving. She had the hideous top that she wore at the bronze that was like, you know when you have the test to see if you have colorblindness? Mm-hmm. That was what it looked like. <laughs> so I thought that was hideous. I love her. I thought her phone talking outfit with her slippies was so cute. Aww. I loved her like rainbow top when they go to the club to go see all of the people who want to get bit. I thought that that was sweet. I, I loved her red pants. Yes. I thought that the red pants looked good. I just thought she had many sweet looks. She did. I particularly liked the magic eye colorblindness shirt <laughs> that was just a pattern of repeated monkey faces all over it. Oh, I didn't even know that they were actually anything. Yes, they were rows upon rows of monkey faces. I just, it brought me so much joy. It's so whimsical and fun. She can wear just the craziest shit because she's so tiny. Yeah, I really liked her outfits. Xander, Xander's looking good. I like his hair shorter. I think it looks very flattering on him. Mm -hmm. I think Ford it, we'll get to what I think about the cuteness, but I really liked his earring. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That should have oh, tipped yeah. you off. You should have known he was a bad boy from the beginning. Whew. Yeah. He, <laughs> I like the earring. Um, I thought that his clothes were very of the times, including that like blue pinstripe oversized shirt he mm -hmm. wore with the blue jeans. A vision in blue. A rhapsody in blue, if you will. Consider, if you will, his orange oversized sweater vest worn over a white t-shirt. Power clashing. <laughs> also, Miss Jenny, she's back. Thank God. I think that she's exercised whatever demon that was, like, sucking her energy. Mm -hmm. She seems more like herself. Her weird quasi-cow pattern dress she wore underneath the leather jacket... That wasn't quasi-cow patterned. What was it? It was leaves. Oh, it was, it was, it was. Okay. <laughs> it was very, uh, you know, nature witchy. Yeah. Well, maybe she's trying to de develop other markets because she got her, her tech wizardry. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's going to go into nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she looks great. I think her bob looks great. She has more spark, which was nice to see. Yes. I have one more entry for Slayer Nay. I have to say... Your boy Angel is branching out, taking a lot more risks. Unclear if they're paying off. Yeah. At the bronze, we have him wearing a brown velvet sort of chevron zigzag pattern button down with huge lapels and sort of flouncy piratey cuffs, which <laughs> like, it's a statement. I don't know what that statement is. He's speaking. I don't know who's listening. Yes. And I do enjoy that he was wearing a very shiny red shirt. And when they went to the um, the Sundown Club or whatever it yes, was called, yes. they had that moment where <laughs> he was like, these people don't know anything about vampires. They don't know how they live, how they dress. And then someone walks by and is wearing the same awful, very shiny red shirt. It's funny. Also wearing a very shiny red shirt this episode, Spike. It's the vampire uniform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The boys, so many so many interesting boys mm -hmm. in this episode. And I do have to say, Angel's hair continues to look very Polly D. I think we got to do a side-by-side -side comparison of them because... We'll do it on the ground. Okay. <laughs> it's dangerously close. Oh, man. 
Let's not unpack that. Yeah. Vamps are here, is what he says. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. No, I loved it. <laughs> Don't. Do you think that Angel would get a duck phone? <laughs> For his lair? Yeah. Do you think that he would call women he didn't find attractive grenades? Yeah. I hope not. Do you think he's ever called Drusilla a grenade? Is that how he broke her down <laughs> emotionally? <laughs> Listen, sweetheart. <laughs> Woof. Oh, man. Band candy. We did go to the bronze this episode. I did a little bit of digging because there were a lot of good vibes here. We went to not one club, but two. There was a lot of very uh, quintessentially 90s music in here. One of the songs featured in this episode is called Reptile by a band called Creaming Jesus. What? You heard me. Uh, uh, does, there's so much there. Is this a anti-religious standpoint? Is it a, like, Jesus was white? Is this a coffee thing? So I copied this one sentence from their Wikipedia article, (laughs) and I think it will explain all you need to know. Singer Andy went on to play in extreme noise band Ridiculous, with members of Headbutt and the Homage Freaks. What? The sentence continues. Releasing one track on the first Household Name Records release, he then produced music under various pseudonyms including Armchair Generals, The Master, parentheses, Hubcap Decorator Trilogy, and <laughs> Filtrum, parentheses, Sad Robot, Happy Robot. He is now a member of Giant Paw and touring with comedian Andrew O'Neill with their steampunk band, The Men That Will Not Be Blamed for Nothing. What? So I think they're just nonsensical provocateurs. Yes, yes, yes. Chaos is a ladder. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chaos do rain. <laughs> it do rain like that. So so much is there. It's a lot to take in. Godspeed, you cream emperor. <laughs> Is it cute? We have so many participants for Is It Cute. So many. So many. Okay, okay. First, I have Ford. Billy Fordham. Just some facts about Ford. He's played by an actor named Jason Bear, who was one of the stars of Roswell. He was Max Evans in Roswell. A lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. And he also played someone named Doug in the American version of The Grudge starring Sarah Michelle Gellar. Ah! So... He's cute enough, I guess. Uh, maybe he can drive my car. Oh, mm. it's the mm. earring. Mm. Mm. A little flare. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's cute. He has very much uh, we live in a society joker energy to me, which I, I feel like that's not so cute. Well, I think that when you meet him and you see the rapport they have, I also think it's very charming when someone calls you by their last name. I think it's cute. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I see the rapport. I see the cuteness. I see the earring. I see objectively good face. Mm -hmm. And I think cute. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Personality, not so cute. Personality, not so cute. Personality has layers, though. Did not expect that twist ending. Yes. Personality, very layered. Don't particularly like any of the layers though no they're they're bad layers it's like a seven layer dip where all layers are rotten yeah next we have or i have diego formerly known as marvin before uh, assuming his 
vampire Sona. Man, what a dweeb. So, okay, here's what I have. First, a little bit about the actor. His name is Jared Paul. He has lots of TV appearances. He's probably most famous for his recurring role as the talkative neighbor in Monk. He was also, just fun fact, in the movie The Shaggy Dog in some capacity, which is a real movie that exists where Tim Allen turns into a sheepdog sometimes. Anyway, here's what I have. Commitment to flair. Cute. Mm -hmm. I like someone who can commit to a bit. Mm -hmm. Responsibility. He seems to be the one who's handling all of the logistics. Cute. I I like a man who's capable. (laughs) (laughs) However, (laughs) just can't stick the landing. Negative drip. I love this for you. I love that you can see the good in so many people. <laughs> I love that. I think that that's, that's really great. And it's what we need more of in our society. I think that the black hole of drip mm. is kind of clouding my judgment on cuteness. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not for this correspondent, but I'm happy for you. Well, he's not for me either, but I just... <laughs> I feel like <laughs> credit where credit's due... He was doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the Sunset Club, so... He was, he was, he was. And, you know, invisible labor. Yeah. It's just something we don't talk enough about. Yeah. He made the labor disappear. (laughs) Okay, next I have Chanterelle. 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 What a name. Do you think she chose that for herself? Oh, yeah. We learn more about Chanterelle later on. But I believe she did choose this for herself, yes. Wow. I mean, it does sound very classy. It reminds me of, did you ever read the Ramona Quimbley books when you were a kid? Yeah. Do you remember how she names her doll Chevrolet? Because she thinks it's like a classy name. Yeah. (laughs) Urethra, also a classy name. (laughs) It's a beautiful name for a girl. (laughs) So Chanterelle is played by Julia Lee, an actress born on Halloween. Mm. She's like a spooky queen. She appears as Constance, the Black Widow Bride, in the updated version of Disney's Haunted Mansion at Disney World. Her other role of note is she played a character credited as another hot girl in the movie Grind, which is the one where Adam Brody is supposed to be a skateboarder. Wow. Yeah, I saw that one in theaters. Oh, because you were a Brody head. I was. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> but yeah, for Chanterelle, I have Hope. Very cute. She seems very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stupidity, naivete, not as cute. Not as cute. Yeah. I find her style to be good. Her dresses were great. I mean, the Sundown Club, despite Diego, had a lot of swag. <laughs> yeah. A lot of drip. Yeah. Not just because it's in the sewers. <laughs> Finally, I know we've talked about her a little bit before, but I added Drusilla to Is It Cute? Because we learn a little bit more about why she is the way that she is. Yeah. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? I came in harsh on Drusilla. Did not realize that her childlike behavior was a trauma response. Mm. Oops. Your only hate born of your only love. Yeah. <laughs> trauma. Angel. <laughs> He really did some bad things. Yeah, he called her a grenade. (laughs) Destroyed her psychologically. He didn't say hi to her on the boardwalk. He blew that vuvuzela horn at her. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah, Melissa and I watched a lot of Jersey Shore in our salad days, including one time I went to an apartment and we decided to make Ron Ron juice. Oh my god, we we did do that. It was disgusting. It was so bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> but the image of um oh god, what's his name? The one who makes it, Ron. Ron of Ron Ron juice. <laughs> Sorry, that was an actual <laughs> mental error. I really forgot that his name was Ron. <laughs> but the image of Ron, like, holding, because he couldn't find the lid in one episode, so he, like, holds a kitchen towel and then blends it. The image of that is so, it's so evocative of a different time, yeah. a simpler time, you know? A pre-Trumpian era. Yeah. So... <laughs> So yeah, Melissa, Melissa and I watched a lot, and then Melissa then even watched the the new ones where they where they're like grown ups and they have to come back to sell nostalgia. I should continue that journey because it really did bring me a lot of joy. Like the situation went to jail, and he came back larger and humbled <laughs> because he doesn't have abs anymore, so he had to change his brand. And now he's all about like eating chicken tenders, and he calls himself Big Daddy Sitch. It just, it really gets me. Wow. What a, it really captured some parts of our society. Mm-hmm. We do live in a society. So, Polly Angel, I have to tell you, I don't like this comparison because <laughs> I was watching this episode and I was like, wow, Angel is so handsome. Oh, no. <laughs> He's very handsome. I don't like the comparison to Polly D. I'm telling you, like, if he had a spray tan, <laughs> if he had a spray tan, he would look just like Polly D. <sighs> yeah, that's upsetting to, <laughs> to me. I think that Angel is very cute, and you know what? He is very cute. He's very cute. It takes a very strong face to pull off that tall of hair. <laughs> Do you think he thinks that it elongates his frame? Do you think he's, like, insecure about his height, so he, like, elongates his height? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Angel's maybe compensating for something. Maybe it's guilt. <laughs> maybe it's... Who knows? Yeah, I I don't love what he did. It seems like he understands that it's wrong, mm-hmm. so that's good. I did think it was cute that he joked about how much he sulked. Yes, I thought that was very cute as well. Sense of humor, very cute. Sense of humor, perhaps the cutest. Yes. Of all cutes. Man, you can just get away with so much if you're a funny dude. Yeah. It's why I love Xander to this day. <laughs> He's very funny. Yeah. Uh, sense of humor, eternally cute. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any other baddies that we should talk about? Honestly, I think that the roster of cuties, with the exception of Diego, was so good. Like, the bench was deep. We had Angel. We had Sander. We had Ford. We had Spike. We had Drusilla, which my guilt is driving my desire to find her cute. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like... There's a lot, there's just, it's it's getting more rich. And I think that that's a really exciting thing about the show. Like, I think that they're developing the characters and it's just, it's like a little more rich. And it, it really does make the very sexy baby thing a lot more palatable. Yeah, when you understand she's doing it because she's stunted from her trauma, it's sad. I do feel bad about it. I mean, you didn't traumatize her. That's true. That's true. I'm no angel. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey, nerd. Yeah, you. You're a clown. You're the laughing stock of your peers. You're at the bottom of the social food chain, and life is about to fire up the grill. You need to get tough. You need to get wild. 
you need a single earring. Take your unadorned skull to in one ear, not the other, to get the single earring you so desperately desire. Other places sell earrings in pairs, but you can't be bound by society's jewelry-related chains. You're free, freer than you've ever been. A pair? Don't make me laugh. You're a lone wolf, baby. You don't need a partner. That's why you're wearing a single earring, and that's why you're irresistible. Other dorks trudge drearily through the predictable, the mundane, but not you. Oh no. Turn to the left, see a naked ear. Turn to the right, my god. What is that? It's spontaneity. It's intrigue. It's the rush of plunging into the unknown. Did you pierce your ear, or did your ear pierce you? Did it pierce straight into the depths of your soul? A single earring makes literally anything better, except one thing, wearing a single earring when you're already wearing a single earring. You will then no longer be wearing a single earring. Get out of here, buy a minivan, and move to the suburbs with your two earrings, Taylor Swift. This commercial is for people who wear a single earring. You know, badasses. So let the good people at In One Ear, Not The Other get all up in that lobe. Mention Big Mistake to the guy with the needle and get a free sweater vest, an accessory only tolerable when also wearing a single earring. We begin with this little kid waiting for his mom to pick him up in the pitch dark of night clearly several hours late. Not great. Not great parenting. Drusilla appears. I forgot to talk about her during Slay or Nay, but her nails are a sleigh. She has black nails with white tips. Very cool. Very cute. Her dress, I'm gonna say, is a nay. It looks like a wedding dress you would find at a Goodwill. It looks like a nighty. Mm-hmm. Angel appears. He gives her an ominous warning to stay away but no real detail, as is his want. Mm -hmm. Then Buffy, just casually strolling by on a roof, sees them, which I thought was interesting because normally she's sort of an underground sewers gal, but they had her parkouring around on top of buildings this episode. She was doing above-the-ground patrol. Mm -hmm. What can't she do? Truly. We head to school. Miss Callender is taking Giles out for a surprise date. I love them. I love the two of them together so much. They're cute. They're very cute. Buffy lies about Angel. Mm -hmm. Giles picks up on her sadness and asks her to spend the evening with her 200-year-old demon boyfriend, like a, like a good dad would do. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess. Like, in, in this world, I just have to accept that everybody is on board with Angel, except for Xander, and we're supposed to hate Xander for it. And like, yes, he's jealous, but also he's right. I think that the way I see it is like, He's as equal as a suitor as any other person. He just happens to be 200 plus years old and has done bad things. Like, that's how I see it, you know? Yeah. I'll get there one day, maybe. You don't need to. You you don't. I, I have gotten there for us. Okay, good. I have been there. Thank you for taking this on. <laughs> Speaking of takes, I would love to hear your reaction to Cordelia's take on Marie Antoinette. <laughs> I just oh she's so good i i loved it obviously when she used the phrase distressed and he said i think you mean oppressed yes they were cranky they were cranky like 
there is a reality where she is right. She has an incomplete narrative of all of this. Um, I loved it. Cordelia's mind, the way in which it works to serve her agenda, and also the way that the actress, Charisma Carpenter, Mm -hmm. plays the lines for jokes. Like, she's very, very funny. They could have just made her, like, dumb and mean, but instead she's hot, mean, funny, and racist. Again. Yes. Takes one to no one. So. (laughs) That's the big four. The big four. I thought it was so fucking funny. I just, I yeah, and like, you know, also, the scholarship around Mary Antoinette has, like, had so many different perspectives. Like, now what we know about her is that she was, like, woefully ill-equipped and there were so many other external forces that contributed to the crumbling of the monarchy. And, you know, she obviously, we all know that she famously never said that line. And she just like, she very much was not empowered to have any sort of consequence and how to improve the worsening conditions for the French people. Uh, So it's like funny because it's like kind of true, but also, you know, fuck the monarchy. That was so much more educational and nuanced than I thought it was going to be. You're truly my smartest friend. Baby. So then we meet Buffy's fifth grade crush, Billy Fordham, a.k.a. Ford. Mm. I have in my notes, big loser energy, zero charisma. (gasps) You didn't think he had charisma when he was like, sup, Summers? Ah! I thought he was like overly familiar I didn't like it, but maybe that's just me remembering that he is a bad person. I, again, I just went into it being like, he has an earring and he's cute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I also have that Xander's jealousy really pains me because he is so funny and he has so much to offer. <laughs> he's the most underrated character on the show. <laughs> I remind myself a lot of Xander. Honestly, ouch, but Yes. <laughs> No, I don't know why Xander's Joker energy is for some reason more palatable to me than Ford's Joker energy. Uh, I think they joke, their jokes land for different years. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, Xander never tried to kill a bunch of people. Again, at this time, I did not know this. I yes. I make it clear. <laughs> yes. All of my, all my prior knowledge might have tainted my view of this. <laughs> so we go to the bronze. Ford is regaling them with tales of a ninth grade swimsuit competition that was done for school? Question mark? I don't I don't love that. Angel appears. Buffy goes and asks him what he was doing the night before when she saw him with Drusilla. And he says that he stayed in and read. So I'm wondering what we think he was reading. <sighs> How to win friends and influence people. Sally Rooney books. <laughs> Yes, exclusively Irish books. <laughs> Just reading normal people and taking notes. Well, he wants to be one one day. Yeah. You know, her other book is called Conversations with Friends, and so he's obviously brushing up on that as well. So Ford asks a very vampire series of questions about Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel gets a little bit jealous, and Buffy and Ford go out for a walk where they have a relationship conversation. So, uh... Would you think that Angel is her boyfriend at this point? No. <laughs> no. No. They just, like, dance around each other and have kissed mouths once. I mean, in high school, maybe. Yeah. that's I'm, I'm being a grown-up. But he's a grown-up. I think we have to suspend that belief. Right. Right, right, right. That one's on me. That one's on Coach Tracy. 
That's over 19. That's yeah. Coach Tracy. Yeah. I think that if I were a grown-up, I would say, oh, Lord, no. But I think uh, as children, maybe? Sure. I mean, maybe his hand brushed hers as they reached for the same stake. Yes, Aditi is doing a visual demonstration <laughs> with her own hands. It's akin to when Danny DeVito is being birthed in <laughs> It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. It's very sexual. Yes, it's 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 uh, it's raw. Yeah, I I think we're dating now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally. Yeah. It only took two years and a season and a half of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that for their age, like, I think I would have the same answer if I were her age. Yeah. Yeah. So then we see Ford creeping on Buffy, slaying a vampire, and we learn he knows she is the slayer. What did you think at this point? I was like, oh my god, he's so understanding. Well, I was also like, before, obviously, we find out all of the story about him, I was thinking, oh, this is actually really interesting because so much of her experience is that she has to hide elements of herself and she can't ever like be her true self. And the only person she can be her true self with that she has an interest in is a vampire. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I wonder if they'll explore like two humans. Maybe he also has some supernatural power and like, they could both be teens trying to do homework and, you know, slay demons. Yeah. So, so nothing sinister yet. I was bedazzled by the earring oh i was i was not looking for problems he put a ring on it you could say (laughs) he did he did okay so he knows that she's the slayer but how no one knows i was like maybe he's part of like a secret society or something that's gonna help her yeah if there's one thing that i wish they had gone into more this episode it's how did he learn that she was the slayer yeah because he seems by all accounts to be otherwise a normal guy so I would have loved to learn how he knew. Yeah. Then we see Ford go to the iconic Sundown Club. Oh, loved it. Loved it. The bronze wishes. The bronze could never. Never. It was so cool. It's so vibey. It's like goth hackers. Yes. It's like everything the late 90s promised us. Yeah. This is the future that liberals want. We want a sundown club. It was like the Matrix, but for teens, you know? Yeah. I loved it. I like that you descend. Yeah. There was, did I ever tell you when I went to the goth club in San Francisco? Tell us. (laughs) So I used to work at an agency with my two friends. One of them moved to New York and one moved to San Francisco. And the one who moved to New York goes on an excursion every year called Goth Cruise which is where a bunch of self-identifying goths Mm. buy tickets on like a carnival cruise together and they have like goth only activities. So this is sanctioned by the cruise. Like they forewarn them that this is happening and get the proper permits. Yes. A regular Diego. Yes, exactly. It's like (laughs) a whole crew of Diegos take to the sea and goth cruise made port in San Francisco So I flew to San Francisco so that the three of us could have like a little reunion there. We decided to meet the rest of the goth cruise population out for a night on the town where they were meeting. And it was like San Francisco's premier goth club. I had never been to San Francisco before. And real estate is like a prized commodity there, right? 
So everything, all of the buildings are like really small. Space is very limited. So we go to the goth club. I don't have a black shirt, but I have a gray one. And my friend wears his one black shirt. (laughs) And we get to the goth club and it looks sketchy as hell. And the Lyft driver said, have fun, I guess, and dropped us off. (laughs) And we go in. It is three stories, the hugest building I've been in in San Francisco. Wow. It was like the club from The Matrix. My gray shirt with stars on it was the loudest, brightest, most (laughs) colorful thing in the entire club. I felt just like Willow when she went in with her rainbow sweater. That was me. That's cute. (laughs) It was incredible. If you look up videos on YouTube of goth dancing, it was just like that. It was amazing. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't I don't know much about this goth subculture besides the videos I've seen and also the character on the IT crowd. But yeah, I think they, they seem like very nice people. Oh, they were very nice. Very nice people. Did you learn how to goth dance? No. <laughs> oh, no one would goth teach you? No one would goth teach me. Yeah, it was like being in a movie. Wow. Who knew that the, the goth community of San Francisco had access to such capital? That they could rent this place out. Yeah, who is funding it? It was like the blood rave from Blade. Maybe that there are some secret goths with deep pockets. Maybe uh, they've just been amassing generational wealth because they live forever. Ah. They probably like invested in Apple back in the day. Yeah, think about all the money that they saved by only buying black clothing. (laughs) I mean, black clothing is not cheaper than other clothing. (laughs) But it's only one color, so you can't, you have to diversify your wardrobe. That's true. So we leave the Sundown Club. Angel appears in Willow's room. <laughs> yes. Which has a door that leads directly to the outside, which is strange, but okay. I thought it was like a balcony. Oh, I don't know. I always thought it just like went out into the backyard. Uh, so <laughs> you seem to have a reaction there. What were your thoughts about this? I thought it was very cute. I am liking their friendship. I think that they're both smart. And so I think that they are able to draw upon each other like I like this pairing I like watching it because we've seen Xander and Angel and it's like funny and like adversarial and obviously Angel and Buffy but I think watching Angel with Willow is fun because they both really care for Buffy and they're both pretty smart I mean they're both smarter than Xander yeah and they're both a little bit socially awkward yeah, and I also thought it was very sweet. I mean, like, Willow's just such a good friend. She's like, I, I don't know, I can't I can't keep this secret from Buffy. And, like, I don't know, she's such a treasure. Yeah. So the two team up together, and they realize that Ford is not registered at Sunnydale High. He just showed up. That's when we start getting suspicious. Red flags were raised. We go to school where Ford is not enrolled, and Giles gives Buffy Miss Calendar's beeper number, and then gets on to Buffy about sharing her secret identity. Like, he didn't just give her Miss Calendar's beeper number in front of a different student. Like, sir, (laughs) sir, what do you want from her? Yeah. If he didn't already know, what was she going to say to try to cover up this extremely strange thing? (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself, but I really laughed when, like, the vampire comes and, like, takes the book, and Miss Calendar was like, oh, I I mean, it's good someone's using the library for once. Like, (laughs) I I just think, like, Giles... Sir, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. Buffy and Ford wander around at night, see some vampires. Ford has real Owen vibes, bringing his own steak. Suspicious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He manages to get a vampire alone 
and says, I'll let you go if you tell me what I want to know. Lies to Buffy about it and then coughs suspiciously. And it might just be like this post-pandemic world that we're living in, but any suspicious dry coughing is a real red flag for me. Yeah. It wasn't good then. It's definitely not good now. Mm-hmm. So you're you're beginning to suspect that he's not great? I think I was still like, odd, but maybe this can be explained with something positive. I wasn't, I really think that until the end, I was like, this seems odd, but I couldn't tell if it was odd because there was something nefarious happening or because like there's a larger like storyline with him. Oh, that's really sweet that you were giving him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that earring. Yeah, that earring did some heavy lifting. Doing God's work over there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Xander, Willow, and Angel track down the club, my new Mm -hmm. favorite place in Sunnydale. Mm -hmm. It's a hot night at the Sundown Club. There's lights. There's goth dancing. There's a man in a coffin who pops out and says, hi. So many places for young people to go. At least two. Three if you count the ice cream shop. Yes. Yes. Four if you count high school. Uh, Yes. At least four <laughs> places. Uh, We meet Chanterelle, who talks about they who walk the night and the lonely ones, those lonely boys. <laughs> How far is heaven? <laughs> I loved it. (laughs) We learn that Giles and Jenny have gone to a monster truck rally. Okay, girl. Where where would you take our fussy librarian? Antiques Roadshow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a slam dunk. Like, you're in it to win it. I know my man. Antiques coming out, tweed coming off. (laughs) Damn, that is such a good answer. I mean, it just came to me. So will he. Do you think you'd wear an earring for me? <laughs> if it was an antique. <laughs> oh my god, Antiques Roadshow is so good. <laughs> a vampire steals a book. Buffy discovers Drusilla, who is rumored to be killed by an angry mob in Prague. Mm-hmm. Then we go to poor traumatized Drusilla talking to a dead bird. I will say before we get there, when Buffy realizes that that was the vampire that Ford was supposed to stake, I think that's when I was like, Ew all is not well okay so that was a turning point yeah then we go to drusilla talking to a dead bird spike comes they look like they're about to fuck in front of the dead bird when ford interrupts them (laughs) yeah they do love an audience i have in my notes they love to perform (laughs) (laughs) the show must go on the vampire gives the book to spike spike loves it literate king Mm -hmm. ford we learn, wants to trade Buffy to become a vampire. Yeah. I took off an earring in sadness. No! Yeah. I was like, you are not fit to wear an earring, so I'm taking mine off. One of your piercings grew in. Yes. <laughs> I was like, damn, really? Um, I think that it was a very good twist. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. We, we start to see his real Joker vibes. There are, like, Joker chaos vibes, but also, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but when you find out why he's doing it, I think that desperation is really relatable. Yeah. I mean, you're you're much more compassionate towards Ford than Again, I am. Again, the earring did so much for me. <laughs> I'm willing. The earring, the hair, that's it. Yeah, end of list. End of list. Angel appears at Buffy's house to warn her about Ford. And reveals that Willow and Xander are in on the spying. To which Buffy counters, who is Drusilla? To which Angel counters, 
do you love me? This man is insane. Not great. <sighs> yeah, that's not that's not great. You don't really dangle that guy in order to tell somebody some really fucked up shit. Yeah. Someone has uh, lived 200 years, but not evolved for 200 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looks like two people are stunted in this relationship. Angel and Drew. Drew's origins basically are explained here. Angel says she was pure and sweet and chaste. And Angel made her insane by killing everyone she loved and inflicting mental torture, calling her a grenade. (laughs) (laughs) Calling her a stalker. (laughs) A stalker. (laughs) Not answering the duck phone. You stalked my whole life. (laughs) Just uh, a litany of abuses. Yeah. Not taking her to the smush room. (laughs) Not including her in gym tan and laundry. Devastating. When will it end? When? As anyone would, she fled to a convent, and on the day she took her holy orders, Angel turned her into a demon. That's not... It's not great for my dude. No, I don't love it. He was soulless at the time, Ah. and he's very guilty now, so I feel like... You know, I'm more more forgiving of this than Ford. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do think that, like... It is a pretty awful admission to make to someone that you feel is, like, very moral and is, I mean, very clearly Buffy is guided by, like, a sense of right because of all the sacrifices she makes in her life to do it. And so, I mean, he he took a big risk telling her. Well, he did pressure her into saying that she loved him first. That's not great. (laughs) That's not, don't do that to the people listening. Don't, don't do that. I mean, like. It was a hard admission, so, like, props. But also, you can't do that and then say, but also you said you loved me and no take backsies. It's feeling, it's feeling uh, a little uh, poly D manipulative. <laughs> poly disingenuous. That's what it is. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I'm going to get you a duck phone for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why Jersey Shore comes up so much. I haven't watched it in years. My dude, I think it was really formative for you in your second adolescence. I think it was. (laughs) I I didn't realize how deep it was in my psyche. It's fine. I mean, it's probably better than mine, which is like Downton Abbey. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's how you knew how to seduce Giles. That's how you knew. I took note after note after note. (laughs) And I said, are you part of the upstairs or the downstairs? You want to go downstairs? <laughs> yeah. 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 So we go We go back to school. The next day at school, Buffy and Ford speak. We can tell it's very tense because there's a swirly-twirly camera motion. Mm-hmm. Yes, I liked that. Yeah. It was very dramatic. I liked it. Yeah, very dramatic. It was like Glee, except nobody was singing. <laughs> Buffy confronts her friends and lets them know that she's disappointed in them, but the show must go on. And I just wanted to call out when Xander says to Willow, Angel is in your room? And Willow says back, ours is a forbidden love. Yes. I thought it was so fun. She's so good. It was a very funny episode. Yeah, it was very funny. I have to say, this is not one that I tend to revisit very often, but I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. Mm -hmm. We head over to our goth club. A lot of really creative camera angles in this episode. 
because we see Ford and the boys being shot from above and then the camera cuts to Buffy looking down on them and there isn't as far as I have noticed a lot of creative camera work like this in most of the other episodes yeah that the spinning Mm -hmm. they went on a limb today yeah they were feeling bold feeling adventurous (laughs) taking risks I don't know maybe it was because Ford is so cinematic in his fantasies they were trying to be more cinematic in the filming of this episode so here is when there's the big reveal Ford has uh, some sort of cancer tumors in his brain and he wants to do all of this so that he can have more of a life than he would otherwise. I think that it makes the story more interesting and impactful because I think it highlights, again, the choices that Buffy makes. Like, we talked about this in Inca Mummy Girl about how Empata also is a girl restricted by fate and whatever and how she fights it to have her own desires, whereas Buffy very much is very sacrificial and very guided by what she feels is right and what what she feels is her duty. And so I think it highlights this fact that like the character of Buffy is someone who has, for such a young person, sacrificed a lot of her own personal desires or, you know, even also like in the end of season one, you know, potentially her life, like to make a sacrifice for the greater good and would never harm someone to get what she wanted. So I think it was I think it was like a a nice like highlight of like the character. Yeah. And I also like how she says, you know, I do feel sorry for you, but if you continue to do this, I'll kill you myself. Yep. So she is very skilled in not letting her personal feelings get in the way of doing what's right in the grand scheme of things. Angel, I feel like, being the one exception. Yeah, well. I mean, she is a teen, so. But yeah, the high drama of Buffy and Ford screaming at each other about his villain arc and diagnosis and like how they feel about each other was like crack to me as a child. Oh yeah, you were spinning. I was spinning, yes. <laughs> I was like, my God, this is what it's going to be like when I turn 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you spin at 16? I did nothing at 16. I was stationary. <laughs> I didn't confess anything to anyone. <laughs> You had no automobile uh, named Paramours. No. What? No Nissans, no Volvos. Who is the automobile? Ford! Wow, that one's on me. Not a car guy. <laughs> I was like, Chanterelle is not a car, Aditi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she is a mushroom. <laughs> Cars I know. One, CAD. Two, <laughs> end of list. <laughs> Yeah, but the 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 drama of this episode was really great. Like I I feel like we got a little taste of it last episode where she said when I kiss you I want to die, but this it just like it blew up to another level. Yeah, speaking your, it was speaking your language. It was. I was like, "Damn, more more yearning." <laughs> like a uh, explosive yearning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Spike arrives, the patrons of the goth club realize that Vampires are actually evil after all. And it was a very sad moment to see the disappointment in dear Chanterelle's eyes. I thought that was a, a good addition. Sweet Chanterelle. Sweet, simple Chanterelle. The feeding frenzy begins. Buffy holds Drew hostage. 
mm-hmm. um, in and barters a release of the others, traps the vampires inside, and says, we can come back for the body. Damn. She straight up left him in there to die. Stone cold. Savage. I fucking loved it. That is tough. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that moment is properly recognized in the rest of the series as a big moment, but like, damn, she really did leave a human being in there to die. She she did because he crossed her moral compass so deeply. Yeah. She said, not on my watch. There's like a little bit of a gray area where maybe she suspected that the vampires would still turn him despite mucking up their plans. And so it was technically a way to grant him his final wish of becoming a vampire, even though she slayed him 10 minutes later. Yeah, and I think that that the decision to actively leave someone behind to become a vampire that she would either kill in the future or die in that moment. I think that the like grappling with hard choices and the realization that it's just going to be a series of unsatisfying and difficult choices is really illuminated in the final conversation. Yeah, I actually wrote that conversation down. It's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. (laughs) We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and everybody lives happily ever after. Yeah, it's getting getting really good. It's getting very complex. And I think the stories that we have watched with Buffy and like, the monster of the week or this and or that like they're all really fun but the toll that it takes i think has not been explored yet because i think the tenor of the show hasn't really shifted yet but i assume it will Mm -hmm. but i think this is like the first glimpse of like the fact that this lifestyle will not just take a toll on her social life or whatever but also on her own morality her own feelings and her own like desires to engage with this type of world and i think it's It's becoming more and more complicated and more and more nuanced, and it's just a much more thought-provoking show in general, and this is where it really starts. And it's cool that they can do that while still including a goth vampire sundown club and, and high drama and all of that stuff. I mean, the show really does have everything. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think? How, How would you rank it? I would give it, like, medium high. Yeah, I'd give it solid medium. I think the earring pushed it towards medium high. <laughs> that earring, man. Ugh. <laughs> that should be a two. They only gave him one because God does not give with both hands. God does not give with both ears. <laughs> he would have been simply too powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I I think this whole episode was kind of like Buffy's zigzag part where... <laughs> Maybe it's not the best, but yeah. the vibes are so good and it fills me with so much great nostalgia and feelings that I am willing to... It it just brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. I think that it was entertaining with the various different characters, both old and new. We get plot progression. We get insight into background. We get great Scooby Gang moments. We get growth for Buffy. Also very funny. Yeah, very funny. I didn't remember it being so funny, and it was just a delight to revisit. I'm excited. If this is like, you know, the vibes. Yeah. I hope we're on an upward swing of the zag. (laughs) Yes, I think so. (laughs) Well, I guess we gotta go jam tan laundry it up. All right. I'll uh, I'll meet you at Karma. (laughs) Call you on the duck phone. (laughs) Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. Be sure to check out our socials at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram to see all of the outfits discussed in each episode Slayer name. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us via social media or by email at bigmistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to absolutely make our day. Catch you at the bronze.